0: Welcome back to the JJ Reddick podcast on the Ringer Network. I really hope that you enjoyed the first episode with Joel Embiid. Joel and I had a lot of fun recording that episode. I think you're really going to enjoy this week's episode. We have a great guest. It's James Corden from The Late Late Show. I've gotten to know James pretty well over the last couple of years. His best mate from England is a very, very close friend of mine. One of my best mates as well. Ben Winston, the showrunner for The Late Late Show. James is, of course, the host of The Late Late Show. Amongst other things, we had a great conversation. This was actually recorded on November 14th, the day after my return in, in the Philadelphia 76ers game versus the Los Angeles Clippers. James and I have a really fun conversation. We go kind of existential deep. At, at times, we also talk about the weird quirks that we have prior to performing. Him, of course, prior to you know recording a show, and me prior to a game. And we even talk about the Clippers. All right, let's get to James and my conversation from a couple of weeks ago. Enjoy. All right, and I'm joined by James Corden, host of The Late Late Show on CBS. James, thanks for coming on.
1: Oh, man, it's a pleasure. How's it going?
0: It's going well. It's, it's going nice well. to see you. I it's, watched
1: you playing basketball last night. Yeah, It's and, very nice uh, to see you as well. Now I'm seeing you very, very a lot more relaxed than you were last night.
0: <laughs> a close you were in the game zone. against the you Clippers. You were in the zone last night. Yeah, I was.
1: It must be quite strange going back the first time to play against the team that you played for. It was surreal, I and bet. it's
0: it's weird. It's almost like cathartic. Like you have to go through the experience, and it's it's a little bit painful. Right. I, I, I thought about the first time I played Orlando. I was mm-hmm. in Orlando for seven years. Yeah. The first time I played Orlando. It was almost like I didn't want to play. Yeah, yeah. It was almost like I I hadn't yet like removed myself from that team. Yeah. And it wasn't until there was a coaching change and a sure. training staff change and the players were different. Yeah. That I felt like I was playing a different team. Of course. And you know most of my mates are still in L.A. Yeah. Uh, Doc's still there. Yeah. The front office is still there. Balmer, all the all the people that I grew close with. Mm-hmm. It was it was surreal. it must be
1: incredible. Yeah. It was an amazing game though. I absolutely loved it.
0: It was so good. So I, I just grabbed you. you. You literally just finished a show. We just finished, yeah, about three and a half minutes ago. Yeah. What do you feel after you're done with the show? What is what goes through your mind? Are you critiquing yourself? Are you relieved? Are you thinking, "Where's my dinner reservation? I'm going to go home and see my kids." <laughs> like, what what goes through your mind when when a show is done?
1: Well, it depends on the show. In truth, this show we did tonight, I thought was okay. I thought we've we've done better shows, we've done worse shows, and so. I feel sort of quite nonplussed towards it, if I'm honest. I don't really feel any rush or exhilaration or, you know, it's just it's just another day. And then oddly, doing a job like this, I've realized the harder days after a show are when you've done a really good one, because you would think that that would be a feeling of, oh man, we just did a great show but i find my feeling is oh we just did a great show and now it's gone and we've got another one tomorrow because <laughs> it's just every day it's 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 every day so so we've got another show tomorrow and once you've done it it's gone it's it's there it's it'll be on tv in 3 hours it'll live on the internet forever and hopefully there'll be bits that people will like and and they'll find them and watch them and then now from this moment on now it just becomes about tomorrow's show often i try and race home to sort of try and see my getting the kids to bed, you know, or certainly I normally get to put one of them down. Yeah.
0: I can relate to what you're saying. There's a similarity between doing a, a show that's on four times a week and playing four games a week in basketball. Yeah, of course. And it's weird because when I have a really good game, mm. there's a level of anxiety because I'm like, I had a great game, but then I've got to play again tomorrow and two days from now. And I've got to perform well again. Yeah. Whereas if I have a, a bad game, like last night I didn't play particularly well and there's a sense of like excitement, like, oh, I can turn it around in 24 hours or 48 hours or whatever. Yes. Um, I'm assuming you kind of feel the same way then.
1: For sure. Because also, as you'll know, which I think is true in any sort of – any medium, whether it's sport, whether it's entertainment, whatever it is, there will always be – and there will, it's just a, a fact of life – there will always be an element of criticism somewhere from somebody, somewhere, somehow – And actually, what you realize is you very rarely get criticized at the start of your career because you haven't done anything really. You've not, you only get criticized for doing something really well and then doing something not as well. Like (laughs) I watched, I read a thing, I was reading about a Real Madrid game the other day, and someone had written a huge piece about how Gareth Bale was underperforming. Now, Gareth Bale wasn't underperforming. Gareth Bale just wasn't performing as well as he did last year. He was still performing better than six other people on that team. It's just the greater you do, the more the parameters change and the expectation is different. So then suddenly it's like, well, now I've seen what you can do. So I expect that of you every week, you know? And that's where it's sort of quite hard. Like You had that game the other day, you scored 31 points. Unbelievable, people going nuts. It was the most phenomenal performance It's hard to replicate that. Well, now there's going to be a load of fans. You're going to go out if you if you go out and score 11 points, they'll be like, "Well, yeah, JJ was fine," and you'll be like, "No, that's amazing. That's really good." A lot of people didn't score 11 points, but it's like, no, you've set a bar of being there. You know.
0: I think that's the curse of having some level of success is you raise expectations, you raise people's expectations, and you you
1: raise your own expectations as well. You 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 figure out what you are capable of. So then you start to set your own barometer by being well. I, I well, I'm, I've done that once. I should be able to do it again. I mean,
0: so there is a standard for you every time you go out and perform, whether that's doing a show for the Late Late Show or doing a live show like the Tonys or the Emmys. There's that standard that you're you're, you're holding yourself to. Like this is how I know I can perform. I want to perform up to that standard every time. And when you don't get there, you're disappointed.
1: Oh, I yes. You know, we've been very, very fortunate since this show launched that we've been sort of rewarded with like various awards, like Critics' Creek's Choice Awards <laughs> yeah. and Emmys and things yeah. like that. But then, you know, we've also had other things that we that we haven't won. And what I've realized in this time is that I don't really get a huge kick out of winning, but I absolutely hate losing. Do you know? And that's a sort of odd place to be. I don't walk around going, Oh my, look what we did. We did all this. I never sort of celebrate the successes and go, isn't this amazing? But I absolutely can't bear it if we underperform in any way, or I feel that we're not gaining or the the relevance that the show can have, or the momentum that the show can carry. Then I get really annoyed. I never really sit and think about how great things have done. I just think about how things could be better And I actually think that's a healthier place to be in a way, provided it doesn't make you unhappy. Provided you're just using it as a force for good and a force to improve. I think it can be quite detrimental if you care about your place in the world or your relevance in the world, and it gets to a point where you really start to get depressed and down about it. But if you can harness that to be a thing to go, well, no, I'm just going to try and be the best I can all the time, wherever I am and whatever we're doing, and that's the sort of mark you set for yourself, then
0: I think life can sort of be a picnic, you know? So in, in sort of holding yourself to that standard, I'm going to be the best that I can be at all times. Does that mean your your preparation, your performance anxiety, whatever you want to call it, prior to a show is the same for every show? Like if you're, for instance, I've been on your show twice. Yes, I'm, I'm like a C to D lister, <laughs> but you've had Tom Hanks on your show. You've had a number of just huge, huge celebrities, a number of huge musical acts. Yeah. Is it different when those type of guests are on?
1: Of course, because, you know, when you've got really, really big, great people on, you know, we're we're aware that we are a show that historically in the past hasn't always attracted those names and that we are a show that I think right now or certainly in the past couple of years has probably punched above our weight in terms of budget, in terms of staff size, in terms of time slots and things like that. You know, I think we have found some bits and things which have given the show a greater relevance than perhaps has been there before. But I don't have any sort of inter superstitions or things like that, really. Cause when I was in a play on Broadway and I, I got into a crazy amount of uh, <laughs> superstitions where it actually started to mess me up. Like I had a whole thing of like, I had to put one sock on first and then the other sock. And I had to get, there would be a band that would play before we started and I would have to I would have to start, I couldn't start getting dressed until the band had started. I had to be dressed by the time they finished a song. I could only step through the door with my left foot. When I got down the stairs, I had to um, high five all the crew. And then I had to do this sort of silly dance with this girl, Jemima. And these are all things that just started adding and adding and adding. And then I used to do a bit where in the show, I used to throw a peanut in the air and catch it. Um, And so I'd keep half a peanut in my pocket. So I'd take that half a peanut out and I'd put it on a particular shelf and it had to remain there until the next day when I would take it off. And it's just ridiculous. (laughs) I mean, it's absurd. My wife was like, who are you? And I talked actually, not in any sort of deep sense. I just happened to meet a, a sports psychologist actually. And I said to him, I was like, it's, it's messing me up, man. I was like, it's, it's, it's ruining my day to the point where I'm, I feel like I, and I don't know what it is and I've never really been like this. And he said, it's just about eliminating doubt. He said, that's all it is. You're, you're doing something at such a repetition every day where you absolutely have to perform. Every time you step on the stage, it really is resting on your shoulders and all you're trying to do, all this is, is your subconscious trying to eliminate doubt from your body. That ev- with every single intuition, you're pushing doubt further to the back of your mind, so that when you step on, you feel like you're ten foot tall, and that's all it is. And then he went, "But it's all rubbish, and you should probably <laughs> not do it." You know. <laughs> so I've tried. I've purposefully tried to not have any superstitions or anything at this show. I've, I've no any-
0: routines,
1: like um, pre-show well, uh, routines. I well, mean, no, obviously,
0: you're going to put a suit on. Yeah, but, there's uh, a routine
1: but, in that I have my makeup done. Yeah. The monologue guys will come in. I'll get dressed. I'll meet the guests and the only the only sort of superstition we've got is I'll go and say hi to the audience and then when I walk around backstage, anyone who's in the corridor behind the curtain, we have to have a high five and that's the only thing that exists. But that just started on day one and that just happened on the first show. There was lots of people saying good luck and then I was like, well, we'll carry that on, but I'm not adding any more right? because I don't have time to add 40 minutes worth of stuff to it, yeah. you know?
0: I do know. I do know. Because what do you do? listening to you talk about that, I'm reminded of my own sort of pregame rituals. Yeah. And I was actually having a discussion today with one of our assistant coaches who said, I, I watched you warm up the other day. You really do a lot of stuff. <sighs> and then he's like, would you ever eliminate anything or would you only add? Mm. And I said the same thing you just said. I would only add. I yeah. couldn't eliminate anything. Yeah. And so – uh, this is my 12th year. Yeah. So by my 12th year now, oh like, there's like 42 things oh that I have to do before the game. And every so often, like it happened last night, right as I was going out for the jump ball, I put a little rosin on my hands uh-huh. and I spit in both hands and yeah. I rub the rosin together. Mm-hmm. I go rub my feet on the, the sticky mat mm-hmm. and then I go back to the rosin, put some more rosin on my hands, spit yeah. my hands one more time, mm-hmm. go back. And as I'm doing this process, I said to myself, this literally – doesn't fucking matter. <laughs> 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 Why do you yeah. do this every yeah. time? Uh, some of the stuff sense. is functional, like yeah, for you putting a suit on. Oh, that's a, yeah, but that's, you I have don't even to do that. see that like, as a superstition. Warm, warming my muscles up, I have to do. that Of course, but like, but it,
1: like it's the tiny, it's those uh, it's tiny little tiny things. things. If you watch Rafa Nadal play tennis, it's insane. His now. The, the headband, the headband, the nose, the ear, the ear, the, the the he bounces the ball so many times, moves his shorts, does the thing. That's all just stuff that's just built up over time because the bigger you get and the closer you get to the thing, you start because actually what I've realised is whoever you are, whether it's you as a professional sportsman, it's me doing this, it's a huge singer, a big band, people ultimately in their core are racked with, why me? Why am I the person that's ended up here when I didn't even really know? Like, you were just playing basketball, and you were at college, and loads of other people were great at basketball, and they're not here. They're not playing in the NBA. So you just have this constant feeling inside of like, well, why me? This has to be a mistake. At some point, I'm going to get tapped on the shoulder, and someone's going to go, "Oh, I'm so sorry, we've made a mistake, and uh, it's game over now. That's it. Time up. You had a great run. Well done." So it's it's all just a, a constant sort of. Massive self doubt, or well, that's how I find it. I, I am, um, you know, my my sort of what what would look like a sort of obscene overconfidence, often just is shadowing a a complete sort of lack of, uh, or not lack of, a complete
0: sort of mass of being racked by just self doubt. That's all, you know what I mean. Is there, that's is there all the fear time. involved? Cause for me it's fear. I think that's I, I think I'm scared. I don't know that it's But what are
1: you scared of though?
0: Someone tapping me on the shoulder and saying you're done. Yeah. And I'm also afraid of failure and I'm f- afraid of performing bad. And so I think as much as it is eliminating doubts, as you said, it's there's something reassuring about these doing these stupid for ritualized sure acts yeah. before a game. It calms me. In a way, it does give me confidence. Like, oh, I've done this before, mm-hmm. and I've performed well. Not because of it, I know that, but it's it just reassures yeah,
1: me. it's all it is. Yeah.
0: So, do you fear? Is it a fear?
1: I don't think I feel fear. I don't think it's fear. I just what I'm trying to focus on right now is just I'm trying to spend a bit more time thinking about happiness and just being happy and being happy with what I've got and my lot and my life, as opposed to. Thinking about what I don't have and what other people might have and what other people have got, and going, Well, actually, that's all pointless. This is all ultimately pretty meaningless unless you're happy. And I think it's particularly difficult in this town in Los Angeles, which is a town obsessed with lists and heat and whether it's 35 under 35 or 40 over 40. I mean, there's so many lists now. It's going to be, it's going to be 41 aged between 40 and 42. Like that's, that's how many lists there are and all those things. And you can start, but what I'm amazed at and what I, what I wish someone would do is 50 happiest people on the planet because they're the people to be jealous of the people. They're the people to be envious of the people that have found an absolute happiness in themselves and understand that ultimately happiness is a choice yeah. is a choice that I can make. and It is something I have a, I have a choice to make the best of things or the worst of things. And I'm going to try and make the best of things. And that's what I'm trying to do right now. Mostly I'm just trying to go, Oh my God, well, this is amazing. This is all great. And if I, I could, if I, if I let myself, I could spend a day thinking of everything I don't have or everything this show hasn't achieved or everything that hasn't come our way but that is a waste of time because it would take years to list all the things that we have got and all the things that are there. And actually every day that some, the phone doesn't ring and someone say, are you sitting down is a great day and it's an amazing day to be alive. And that's all I'm sort of trying to,
0: Think about right now. You seem acutely aware of the fact that happiness and success don't always go hand in hand. And one of the things that happens with success is more responsibility. Biggie, of course, said it best: "More money, more problems." You know. Yeah, and- I'm not
1: sure I agree with him on that
0: completely. <laughs> I
1: think I listen. I think Biggie is amazing, and God well, rest we his were just, soul. We were just
0: talking about before we got we started recording. We were talking about home renovations. Yes,
1: and like, no, but but no. Look, Biggie is. You know, I honestly, I would say it to anybody's face. I actually don't believe "mo money, mo problems" because I actually think less money will bring you a lot more problems, and there'll be real problems and actual problems. Like me moaning about how much the renovations for my house has cost, (laughs) and how my wife chose a floor that was ridiculously expensive. That is the epitome of first world problems. Um, What I do think is true is that money won't bring you happiness, but my God, it will pay for the search. Do you know what I mean? You may not be able to buy happiness, but you can pull up alongside happiness in a really nice yacht and it (laughs) would be great, you know, and you'll feel a bit better, you know, but I do believe success and money, like, look, if success and fame and money and all those things made you really, really happy, then we'd be looking at a lot more happier people when they're, you know, uh, award shows and things like that. It's not, it's, it's, that is never, ever, ever going to be where happiness is going to come from because it will be fleeting moments of it. You'll flirt with it. There'll be moments where it will feel like, Oh my God, this is amazing. But actually it's sort of based on nothing and it's grounded in nothing. And all the things that will make you happy are, are time and, people and, and things like that. Like, that's all I all I think about. The only currency in the world is time. That's all there is. Yeah. That's all you've got is time. And my God, it's going to go quick, you know? I felt like we brought our six-year-old son home from the hospital last week and he's six, you know? I felt like he walked yesterday and, like, and now he's in first grade and it's just time just sort of plays tricks on you and starts to speed up at a rate that is unquantifiable, you know? Mm-hmm. And I just... Uh, I think time time is the key to spending time on the right stuff and thinking about the right stuff.
0: Well said. I I had a little bit, and I'm still going through it, I think, a little bit of an existential crisis myself. When I hit age 30 was also the summer that- Okay, we're going to talk
1: about the tattoos. Is that what you're (laughs)
0: saying? We're going to get there. Yeah. <laughs> We're going to get there. Yeah, go on. Sorry. I'm actually, I'm going to get some of these lasered yeah, yeah, yeah. off. Are no, you? Yeah, uh, yeah, beautiful. Go on. The gibberish. I'm getting the gibberish lasered That's off. Great. No, but the summer my son was born was the same summer that I turned 30. and And within two to three months of him being born, I started to sort of question everything that I valued in life. Mm-hmm. And I've never been a person that valued possessions or material things, but I really began to like assess- my life and what I was spending time on. And over the past three years, I've really come to value time. And if my time is spent on just my family and just my craft, meaning my profession, the thing that I love to do, Mm -hmm. then I'm, I'm really happy. Like that, that, that's all I really need.
1: Yeah. And well, it's just, it's just going, this is what I need and this is what I want. And like, In all, in, in every single job, your job, my job, you can start looking down the road at what someone else has got. Why have they got that? And I, that didn't come here. Why am I doing this? And that person's doing that. But actually you just go, if you just spend your life looking left and right at what other people have got, you're never, ever looking at what you've got in front of you. And that's actually all that matters. And a friend of mine said a really interesting thing to me, which it really stuck in my mind, right? This is before I took this job and I was acting and I was just like bitching and moaning about the fact that some other actor had got some part I really wanted. And he said to me, no, 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 no. He said, you cannot be jealous of just one strand of someone's life. You've got to switch it all. You've got to swap it all. You can't just look at one part. You can't look at, Oh, I'm jealous of that guy's car or I'm jealous of that guy's shoes, or I'm jealous of that guy's job or money. You've got, to, you've got to swap everything. So look at your life as a whole. Look at their life as a whole. Would you swap? Like you, JJ Reddit, you wouldn't swap with anyone. You wouldn't swap with anybody. Your friends, your family, your wife, everything you've got, you'd swap with no one. And actually, that's when you start going great. And if you think you would stop swap, then you've got to start focusing on what it is you could do to make it that your life is unswappable.
0: <sighs> it's interesting i wouldn't swap with anyone of course you wouldn't we actually have that discussion in the locker room sometimes yeah like would you want who What athlete would you swap with would yeah. you swap with tom brady jeter yeah michael jordan fuck no you might swap with jordan
1: that's i think <laughs> i think you've gone a bit far there. you swap with jordan with all due respect jj swap i think with jordan. you're
0: right because once you <laughs> once you get to the yeah yeah, on. yeah. You swap we'll, with jordan. once you get to
1: that Let's level yeah, jordan, you're right. but that's about it yeah that's about it like, that's right yeah
0: By the way, I still don't... I'm just going to... I know I'm on the Ringer Network, and I know like I'm not supposed to throw shade at Tom Brady because of Bill Simmons, but like the fact that that guy has never eaten a strawberry in his life, I don't think that's possible. I didn't know
1: that. He claims
0: that he's never eaten a strawberry, and he doesn't eat nightshades like tomatoes.
1: I think Tom Brady seems like a lovely man. I've never met him. He seems great. My worry with that is that if that is something that you're prepared to say out loud... (laughs) As an interesting thing. That's actually more depressing than not eating the strawberry. <laughs> that you think that that's something that anyone could give a shit about, whether you've eaten a strawberry or not. Do you but know what I mean? He's
0: selling like books and how to manuals about strawberries. Probably videos about, about not eating TB strawberries. TB12, the TB12 plan of attack or whatever, whatever it's called. I I'm not sure know what it's what called.
1: Do you know what? But I've, it
0: involves not eating strawberries, apparently. I'm
1: really trying to get into football, right? I've really. Okay. I feel like yeah. I've given it. Now, to be clear, I'm using football because we're in America, and this is what you've chosen to call this game the rest of the world. It is not football. we've sure. got there's another game which was created before your game, and it was called football, but you've just sort of come along and just gone, "Well, no, well, we'll call this soccer, and it's, uh, it's ludicrous and it's outrageous. <laughs> and you know, the sooner someone in America goes, "Yeah, all right, we messed up. this is game. This is a game. Your football is a game predominantly playing catch interspersed with every now interspersed between commercials. When someone will kick a ball once our game is played predominantly, (laughs) almost entirely with a foot and a ball. And I really feel like America's just got to own it and go, do you know what? We messed up. We're going to call this something else. And we're going to fall in line with what the rest of the world calls football. It will never happen, but it would be a wonderful gesture to the rest of the world. If you would do such a thing, but I've been trying to get into your football and like the, uh, the NFL. And I really, really love it at points at points. I think it's amazing. And then other points I'm like, what am I watching here? What am I watching here? Is this, what What even is this? This is just, all I'm watching is lots of guys walking around, having a conversation and then it will go to commercial and it will come back and I'll see someone with a headset talking, and then it will cut to someone else going, "Girl, yeah, come on, come on. And then they go, we'll be right back with more. And I'm like, at some point, play the game. And then they'll play, then they'll throw a ball for about, and it will last about 18 seconds. And then that's it. It's like another commercial and another load of stuff. I can't really do with a game that's just constantly stopping and starting like that. Fair enough. Yeah, that's fair enough. And but And baseball, I think, is a wonderful thing to go to but I do feel like I'm just watching a group of people have a picnic that I don't know. <laughs> do you know what I mean? Like that's how it feels. There's people I don't know having a picnic and I'm just watching it for, for a while. But I do think it's an amazing game when it gets great. Do you know what I mean? When it gets actually into the nitty gritty, I think it's a brilliant game. Have you adopted a a team in your time in LA? Well, this is our problem. And you, you have played a huge part in this. So we moved to America Ben Winston, who is the executive producer of this show, is my best friend, a dear friend of yours. He gets right into basketball because he met you and goes to the Clippers, right? And now Ben, when it comes to football, soccer, he supports Arsenal. I support West Ham. Two London teams, his team very good, my team very bad. And we have actually had fallouts sometimes about soccer games because I've wound him up when we've beaten Arsenal and I was making, like, we probably didn't talk for a few days after I wound him up. So I was like, well, this is great. This is fantastic. We're going to come to LA and we can support a team together. Oh, man, we could get season tickets. We found, we we just we can be buddies supporting the same team, which is what we've never done. So he's all in on the Clippers. He's like, Clippers, Clippers. He's Clipper Nation. I'm like, all right, I'll join in with the Clippers. I wasn't 100% on it. I felt like, I don't know, but I was like, okay, you've left. He's all down on the Clippers. He's, no, he's not interested anymore. I'm like, well, we need to make a choice. So I'm trying to get him to go Lakers now. I'm trying to get him to go Lakers.
0: He is 100% all in on the 76ers. I can tell you with certainty. Oh, there's no way I am supporting a team in <laughs> Philadelphia.
1: There is just, that is absurd. That is absolutely ridiculous for us to support a team that plays in Philadelphia. That's crazy.
0: I think it would be very cliche of you to come here and then sort of adopt the Lakers as your team. But I was going to
1: adopt the Clippers, but they're not allowed anymore. <laughs>
0: you know, and I really
1: like them. I'm a big fan of DeAndre's. I think they dug the whole vibe. But now I'm looking at the Lakers. I'm like, you know, Lonzo looks pretty cool. He's all right. Like, you know, we'll always support you. I just feel like we've got to pick a team. And I'm thinking... Let's go
0: Lakers then. All right. We'll be right back with James. We're going to take a quick break for our sponsor. Buying tickets can be complicated and confusing, but there's a simpler way to buy. With SeatGeek, SeatGeek is the smartest, easiest way to get tickets to every type of live event. Whether you're catching your favorite musician on tour, shopping for the perfect gift, or searching for a last-minute deal to see your favorite NBA team, SeatGeek helps you find the best seats at the best prices, fully guaranteed. Nothing beats being there in person for the biggest plays of the year, and SeatGeek will get you closer to the action for a great value. I have the SeatGeek app on my phone, and it's by far the easiest way i found a shop for tickets. I can be anywhere, and with just a few taps, I can instantly find seats. I actually just used SeatGeek to buy tickets to a Jay-Z concert the other day. SeatGeek is designed to make your ticket-buying experience easier than ever. SeatGeek saves you time and money by searching multiple ticket sites to compare prices and find amazing deals, and to get you the most bang for your buck, SeatGeek grades every ticket based on value to help you immediately identify the best seats that fit your budget. Plus, every purchase is fully guaranteed, so you can shop for tickets on SeatGeek with confidence. Make SeatGeek your go-to app for finding the best deals on every type of ticket, from sports and concerts to comedy and theater. Best of all, my listeners get $20 off their first SeatGeek purchase. Just download the SeatGeek app and enter promo code JJ today. That's promo code JJ for $20 off your first SeatGeek purchase. SeatGeek, right seat, right now, right from your phone. All right, we are back with James Corden, host of the Late Late Show. Your fame, your star has has increased uh significantly over the past 2 plus years since you guys came over and started uh the Late Late Show. Um which it's opened up a lot of opportunities outside of just your your job here at CBS. Mm. Um how how do you decide uh you know what opportunities to take or not to take i mean you you've hosted the tonys you've hosted the grammys mm. you do speaking engagements um you went to google camp this yeah. past summer yeah that's kind of a no brainer but but how do you kind of sift through these opportunities and these requests and decide what is the best use of my time
1: it's funny you should ask that. i've been given that quite a lot of thought really it's a strange thing when you like when we came here so much of like like, we just felt like we'd still be trying to educate people on what the show was right now or who I was. We just thought it would be a much, much longer road. We just never thought the show would take off in the manner that it did that quickly. And it takes you a while to sort of realize that. So I think I probably made quite a few decisions of just saying yes to lots of stuff. I'm also someone who I really enjoy, I think side projects are good. I think having stuff outside of your regular job every day where it can actually motivate you more for your sort of regular job, you know, like just some other creative outlet. So you don't feel like all I'm doing is this here right now. So, um, I think I just sort of say yes to stuff on things where I think, well, it would be fun. That's kind of what I base it on. Really. I don't have any major kind of grand plan. I just, I just think, well, yeah, that sounds fun. All right, I'll do it. You know what I mean? That's that's what a lot of it comes down to. I, I don't want to do anything that I feel like I wouldn't, that wouldn't be sort of feeding me somehow. Do you know what I mean? Like I really just enjoy being creative all the time. That's mostly what I enjoy doing is, is having creative conversations and thinking about Creation, the creation of more stuff. That's that's what I really enjoy doing.
0: And you and Ben have uh, a production company, yeah. Fullwell Seventy Three, right. based in the UK. We have an office in the UK. Um, we have, have to an to office here. Yeah, yeah. and uh, you're you're one of the partners along with mm-hmm. three other guys. I believe it's five of us. Yeah. yeah, there's five of you guys. So that obviously provides an outlet. Um, in, in terms of the, sort of the side hustle things, though, mm. like the the speaking engagements, I'm I'm really I'm really curious about Google Camp. Is there well, anything you can share?
1: The first rule of Google Camp is that you don't can, talk about Google Camp. Can you Cam. just
0: explain what it no. is?
1: I can't. I genuinely can't. because Because they're very, very protective over it not being a public sure. thing in any way. And I'd love to be invited back. So I'm not going <laughs> to risk that. I'm not going to risk that by even beginning to talk about it. All I'll say is I found it Um, hugely more enlightening than I thought it was going to be and I found it sort of mentally stimulating